I just really love Scrooge McDuck, episode one. It's your host, Odette, and this is the first episode of the I Just Really Love Scrooge McDuck podcast. Uh, this podcast is dedicated to exploring the duck comics that are foundational to the DuckTales series. Uh, as a young child, I was a fan of the show like a lot of people, but the comic book connection is more personal to me. In the United States, the comic books are not very popular anymore, which is a shame, but the advent of television meant that the United States transformed culturally into a viewing audience instead of a reading audience around the 1950s, 1960s. Uh, personally, I think that's a tragedy, but there's nothing to be done about it now. However, the series is still very popular across the world, especially in Europe and South America, and that's where my personal connection comes in. My mother grew up in Amsterdam during the 1960s, and she read the Uncle Scrooge comics while she was there. I think for her it was a connection back to the U.S., seeing how she was a stranger in a strange land and she wanted something to remind her of home. And what this all meant for me is that my mom would tell me those in-depth stories about Scrooge McDuck while I was watching DuckTales reruns at home. So when the reboot DuckTales premiered, it looked like a good time to jump on the podcasting bandwagon. There are many podcasts dedicated to both versions of the show, and that's great. But on this side of the Atlantic, the comic books are really unexplored territory, so I plan to take advantage of the opportunity to discuss them. Um, basically, out of all the Disney characters, Scrooge McDuck is the one that I like the most. I like the princesses too, especially Cinderella and uh, Sleeping Beauty, Aurora. But Scrooge being a grumpy old man that berated everyone around him and then doted shamelessly on his nephews just really struck a chord with me. And so off and on, I've pursued an interest in the character. So seeing as Scrooge is my favorite duck, uh, my apologies to Donald, I've decided to start at the beginning chronologically. Uh, this episode, we will cover the first two issues of The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, written by the revered Don Rosa, uh, who is the other half of the Duck comics duo, along with Carl Barks. And then after that, I'll talk briefly about uh, the latest episodes of the reboot. So without any more delay, here's the first issue of The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, and let's just jump into it. So the first issue is The Last of the Clan McDuck, and it opens up with Scrooge and his father exploring their ancestral stomping grounds at the castle of Clan McDuck. Scrooge's father explains that the McDuck family was heir to a castle and a large fortune, but uh, one of Scrooge's ancestors tried to protect their treasure by bricking it up into the castle walls, and this ancestor managed to pull a casket of Amontillado on himself by bricking himself in with the treasure, which is one of the worst ways to die that I can 
possibly imagine. Good God. At that point, though, Scrooge and his father are run off by the Whiskervilles family, who also want the land, and they are willing to resort to all sorts of underhanded trickery necessary to get it. It's a real Hatfield and McCoy's uh, situation going on, a tale as old as time, I am sure. They retreat to their home, where Scrooge's father makes him a shoeshine kit so that Scrooge can put some money into the family funds. So it should be noted here that the McDuck family is incredibly poor, and they are currently living in the late 19th century, which means everyone needs to be working and bringing in cash, especially since Scrooge also has two younger sisters to support, Matilda and Hortense. At first, Scrooge does not have much luck with the shoeshine gig, and he even voices his concerns to his father, stating that he is worried he's not much of a businessman, which is ironic because we know the audience that it's a call forward to the fact that he's set to become one of the richest ducks in the whole world. But at this point, he's just a little 12 or 13 year old kid, and he's just really struggling to break into the shoeshine business. Uh, so eventually, his father sets him up with a customer, uh, a personal friend of his, who approaches Scrooge with some pretty muddy and beat up boots for Scrooge to shine. Uh, when Scrooge completes the job, he is repaid with an American dime, a legendary dime from song and story, and Scrooge is absolutely furious. It's a useless coin in Scotland, and he feels pretty cheated, as well he should, considering there's just no way that he can spend it. But what I like here is that Scrooge does what any self-respecting American would do, and he decides to get back at the scammer by getting rich. This is where he first utters his famous quote about being smarter than the smarties, sharper than the sharpies, and earning his money square. This will be a running theme throughout the graphic novel. Uh, Scrooge despises a scam artist, and he will always get his own back by becoming so rich and powerful that no one can touch him anymore. And he's also very into the punitive justice that this enables for him. So Scrooge founds a small business with the shoe shining, and then he also expands into selling fuel to uh, the other citizens of Dismal Downs, his hometown. He starts off selling cheap firewood, but he quickly figures out that the rich are willing to pay a lot of money for peat, which he can just cut out of the nearby bogs. And so he ends up cornering the market on this. Uh, this is an interesting bit, because in the beginning of the comic, Scrooge had told his father he was worried that he wasn't much of a businessman. But as soon as Scrooge got the right incentive, he learned to read the market demands. The firewood did not sell well, but he learned that the peat did. And so it looks like he's made quite a bit of money doing that. And Scrooge, again, is only 10 or 13 at this point. He's already learning to read market demands and then act on them. And I think this is some excellent uh, foreshadowing uh, and call forwarding to the fact that, you know, he is very, very good at what he does. So after a while of selling this peat, uh, Scrooge returns to Castle McDuck and he broods over the state of disrepair the castle has fallen into. I think he's a little young to be this dour, but you know, I didn't write it, so it wasn't my prerogative. After a moment of doing this, he's set upon by the Whiskervilles. Uh, the Whiskervilles have set up a Hound of the Baskervilles situation where they have been intimidating Clan McDuck with a faked hound for years. And when Scrooge comes face to face with the thing, he panics and he runs into Castle McDuck. Uh, there he learns the castle is not unoccupied. There is a bailiff that has been trying to look after the place. He takes Scrooge on a tour of the castle once he figures out Scrooge is a McDuck, and that's where Scrooge learns some family history, namely that his family has always had a streak of pure stinginess, and that they are also capable of great cunning and magnificent strategery. When the Whiskervilles return to the castle, Scrooge utilizes that good old-fashioned strategery and cranks it up to 11 when he fills an old suit of armor with with peat, 
puts it on a horse, lights it on fucking fire, and then drives the horse at the Whiskervilles while yelling at them to get off my land. The Whiskervilles promptly beat it. It's a pretty great sequence. At this point, Scrooge and the bailiff have a little heart to heart. Uh, the bailiff encourages Scrooge to go to America to make his destiny. Scrooge decides to go and he promises to come back, leaving the bailiff by himself. The bailiff then makes his rounds of the castle and that's when we discover he's actually the ghost of the poor idiot who sealed himself inside the castle walls with the family treasure. I bet he feels like a right nitwit now. This part is interesting because as the bailiff converses with the other McDuck ancestors Mulan style, he tells them that Scrooge needs to earn his position. This is an interesting spin on that typical Chosen One narrative. It implies that Scrooge is only special because of what he's done, not necessarily because of who he is. Any McDuck could have wandered into the castle to look at the remains and take charge of the situation, but Scrooge is the only one who actually did it, and he won't be able to take back his lands until he has proved himself through success. Scrooge will not get handed his heritage, he has to earn it first. And I think that's quite fascinating. And of course, it all plays into Scrooge's character, how he values hard work. And uh, of course, this all plays into Scrooge's character. He values hard work. He values honesty. He doesn't like it when people are simply handed things without earning them first. So it's, uh, it's nice to see that echoed here. This brings us to the end of the issue with Scrooge being hired onto a cattle boat and leaving for America. The last panel leaves him wondering if he can really make it in that strange country. This is a point where we see Scrooge differently differentiated from his family members. Uh, he is the duck who looks to the future and tries to innovate and expand. His father spends a lot of time brooding on the past, but Scrooge tries to expand into the future. First, he built a small business selling firewood and peat. Now he's moving on to the United States because there's no more opportunity to be found in Dismal Downs, the place of his birth. This is the situation lots of people found themselves in at the time. And now we move on to issue number two, The Master of the Mississippi. It starts with Scrooge getting off that cattle boat and landing on the shores of the Mississippi. Uh, I like the panel where he states, What a country! The very air tastes of fortunes being made and lost. Uh, he then looks around for a relative that is supposed to be in Mississippi, his uncle Angus. So I suppose Scrooge is not the first person who uh, left Scotland for richer pastures. Scrooge finds Uncle Angus in a saloon going by the moniker Pothole. I have no idea how he he could have possibly come by that nickname, and I'm not sure I want to know. On the way to the saloon, uh, Scrooge passes a familiar face. There's a chicken-faced man called Ratchet Gearloose selling water-purifying tablets to customers. Uh, the downside is that they don't leave a great taste, and according to the buyers, the water tastes like skunk water after use, which is pretty bad and that's uh that's not a great way to sell your product if that's the after if that's the fallout of your product this is scrooge's first encounter with the gearloose family ratchet is of course the forefather to gyro gearloose a guy who works cl closely with scrooge in the modern day and i wonder if gyro knows that uh, they met here but uh, yeah it's still pretty fascinating uh, scrooge goes back a long way with uh, his modern day cadre uh, at any rate scrooge finds his uncle pothole in the saloon just as pot Pothole wins a boat off another man in a game of poker. Uh, here we find Pothole gambling and cheating at gambling. Two things that Scrooge is very leery of and does not do. Scrooge will take risks like moving to another country, but he is only willing to put himself on the line, which is different than putting his funds on the line. I think that's part of the reason why he tries to do everything himself, because he's quite cautious about using uh, his own money to accomplish things. He introduces himself to Pothole, who hires him on as a shipmate for his latest 
hardest job, which is finding a stash of gold for the feds. They set out the next day uh, after hiring Ratchet Gear Loose onto the crew as well, but it's really not long before they are set upon by the Beagle Boys, who are the traditional Scrooge McDuck villains. Uh, once the Beagle Boys have captured Scrooge and the treasure, Scrooge must once again use his smarts and his cunning to get himself out of trouble, but this is also the second chapter, so the threat has escalated. The Whiskervilles had no plans to kill Scrooge or his family members, but here the Beagle Boys are perfectly willing to drown Scrooge in order to find out more information on the treasure. They are river bandits and Scrooge is not in Kansas anymore. The stakes have gone up significantly and if Scrooge messes up in the United States then he will be killed. Of course, Scrooge beats them, leaving the Beagle Boys with one hell of an axe to grind against Scrooge. When we reach the middle of the comic, after the first conflict has been resolved, Scrooge is paid for his work with his uncle. Pothole tries to convince Scrooge to spend it on drinks or gambling or something, but Scrooge just laughs him off. Uh, this is something of an inflection point for Scrooge, because his uncle teases him by asking him if he really just wants to stuff his money into a coal bin instead of spending it, and the last panel on the page is of Scrooge playing with his coin while uh, pondering this possibility. This is really fascinating, in my opinion because it focuses on Scrooge's experiences with poverty instead of his greed or his stinginess. And as Scrooge grows older, he will become a greedy little jerk, but right now he's just a kid, a very poor kid, and he learned in Scotland how to hold on to his money. He's very resistant to spending anything because he learned that spending can be the same as losing, and once that money is gone, you might never see it again. Eventually, he'll have to learn how to spend in order to make, but right now, the best lesson he can learn is to sit on the cash instead of spending it. The money bin, you know, in my opinion, actually reflects Scrooge's experience growing up poor. He wants to see the cash and know that it's there. Even as an adult, he does not let go of this fear that's been ingrained from him since he was born. The money bin is not just a sign of him being a greedy miser. He needs to reassure himself that the money has not gone anywhere, that he still has material security. He does not ever want to be poor again. So the comic continues with Scrooge eventually inheriting the boat from his uncle, but he's being run out of business. The river transport game is getting squeezed by the advent of the railroads, and Scrooge is not experienced enough to understand those market forces yet. He sees the need to transport cargo, and uh, he has experience filling that kind of need from Scotland, but he does not have the experience to see that the railroads would eventually cut into his profit margin. It is not Scrooge's fault that he's inexperienced with this, but it does mean that he is in trouble when the comic catches up with him. Eventually, he is targeted by the Beagle Boys a second time, and they end up destroying his boat, leaving him with only a few dollars and the heirlooms that his family gave him before he left Scotland. Uh, Scrooge's response to this is to catch a train and head out west to be a vaquero. This second appearance by the Beagle Boys is a lot more important than it seems on the surface. It's not just the start of the Beagle Boys' vendetta against Scrooge. It is also the push he needs to give up the dying boat business and go into something else. His first ever business transaction the inheriting of the boat business has been a flop because he doesn't understand how to read the market forces in play. The Beagle Boys did him a massive favor when they destroyed his business and forced him to move on. This will be another running theme with this graphic novel. Scrooge is willing to cut his losses and move on very suddenly, and this is the point where Scrooge learns that, and that there is no point in sticking around to prop up a dying business model. Of course, this will not be the last time the Beagle Boys unwittingly help Scrooge out like 
like this. They're instrumental in Scrooge's development as a person, but we'll get to that later. For now, Scrooge is doing precisely what my ancestors did. He's heading out west to become a cowboy. So that's the first two issues of Scrooge McDuck. Uh, in my opinion, they really hold up. Comic books these days spend a lot of time spinning their wheels and treating water with stupid boring scenes that nobody likes. But in these two issues uh, Scrooge of Scrooge McDuck, the, they are action-packed. It's just really crazy. Scrooge lights things on fire, runs his ancestral enemies off the land, moves to America, nearly drowns in the Mississippi, blows up two boats, and starts his journey as a businessman. And again, this is just the ter first two freaking issues. Uh, so far, this stuff is great, and if Don Rosa's other stories are like this, and I can understand why he's so revered in so many parts of the world. He's keeping the action going, and he has not forgotten his main character's motivation. And that's one of the toughest things to do and keep track of uh, while you're writing a serial. I'm very much looking forward to finishing this. Anyway, to move on, let's talk about the thing that's on everyone's mind, which is uh, the DuckTales 2017 reboot. Uh, as of this recording, four 30-minute episodes have aired on Disney XD, where usually good cartoons go to die. I won't bother summarizing them here. I believe they should be available to stream through the Disney XD app, so please watch them there if you're interested. Overall, I'm impressed with the reboot. Uh, I was not super interested when I first heard of it coming out, but then I saw the art style they were going for, so I'm mainly watching for that. Uh, right now, 2D animation, in my opinion, is seriously in the pits. Every other show on TV right now either has gross noodle-armed people or else gross blobby chewing gum people, and it's all neon, so it all looks the same. <sighs> oh, God. So I'm glad DuckTales is going for a more angular and washed out look. It has a lot more polish than anything else on the air right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Disney still has what it takes to play the 2D animation game. I have not been impressed with uh, other animated offerings on television. As for the show itself, it's uh, definitely showing influence from the X-Files. There's an overarching mystery that's punctuated with Enemy of the Week episodes. I see a lot of people referencing Gravity Falls with regards to how DuckTales is structured, but I never watched Gravity Falls due to it having that gross chewing gum people aesthetic, so I would not know. However, watching Webby and Dewey exploring the archives in one of today's episodes was really reminiscent of Mulder and Scully for me in the best way, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the scriptwriters don't screw this up. And of course the show has David Tennant going for it, which is great because I could listen to him howling at people all day and never get tired of it. I'm glad they went with the decision to separate the triplets. It never made sense to me that they would all have the same personality as twins and triplets definitely don't do that in real life. So it never made sense why they would be basically one person in terms of personality in the comics in the original show. Uh, Louis is probably my favorite considering he's the youngest of three kids just like me. So I can understand his behavior, especially how he's able to trick people into doing things for him. Uh, he's a shameless user and hustler. I love it. I also think he's the cause of the show's best jokes, like when he almost convinced Webby to ice the manager with a spork in the fun zone episode. Overall, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, he's really funny and great. Um, the show's humor is at its best when it's situational humor, like in The Office. When it devolves into screaming and LOL so random jokes, that's when I check out. Uh, Webby trying to lick the bus pole was not terribly amusing for me. The overarching mystery of what happened to Della Duck will be pretty fascinating to explore. There's a conspiracy, there are people telling lies, there are people keeping secrets. 
Uh, in the time period after the pilot aired, everyone was speculating that Della was lost in an accident of some sort caused by Scrooge and Donald. But in the latest episode, her note says that she stole the spear of Celine, which suggests that she was responsible for her own fate. And Scrooge was telling the truth when Donald tried to blame him at Atlantis. So I think that's a very interesting development. Uh, that brings us to Scrooge. Oh, Scrooge, he's an absolute lunatic, which I love. He's a spiteful, pig-headed, curmudgeonly son of a bitch that only pauses to dote on the children and drag Donald so DuckTales has kept the most important aspects of the original broadcast, in my opinion. The most wonderful thing about Scrooge's character is that while he's an asshole on the surface, if you dig a little deeper, you'll find he's a nice person. And if you dig deeper than that, you will find he's an even bigger asshole. So I am optimistic about his role in future episodes, as the scriptwriters seem to understand this. Fingers crossed, everybody. Fingers crossed that they don't screw it up. All right, everyone. Uh, that's it for me. If you want to drop me a line, feel free to follow me at, at Instagram. Uh, the username is I just really love Scrooge McDuck, or you can send me an email at I just really love Scrooge McDuck at gmail.com. You will not find me on Facebook or Twitter because Facebook and Twitter are cancerous blights in our society, and I hope they collapse into a black hole sometime this year. Uh, until next time, everyone, this is Odette signing.